Hey everybody, and welcome to today's interview. My name is Raquel Sims, and I run strategic partnerships here at Promo Republic. If you're joining us today, this is for our Emergency Marketing Center, helping franchises and multi-location brands find information regarding the COVID-19 pandemic and what other organizations are doing um, during this difficult time. So with me today, I actually have Sean Goldsmith. Hey, Sean. Hey, Raquel. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you for being here. So for those of you who don't know, Sean is a guest lecturer at Cornell University uh, on the board of the Institute of Certified Franchise Executives. He consults with franchise companies on their structure and organization, as well as a franchisee himself. So he has a lot of experience here. Um, so Sean, I think that's a perfect jumping point if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to have all of this experience. Sure, so you know, I work a little bit in franchising. Um, so, so just a little background. Um, so I actually, you know, when I was a student, I was very focused on getting, you know, a regular job, be it investment banking or consulting. And that's a path I took. I was in investment banking. But I always wanted something that was more entrepreneurial. And, you know, not everyone has like the next uh, app or, uh, you know, next product, unless you're Max or something. Uh, but the idea was I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't quite sure on the path. So I bounced around in tech for a while. Uh, but I, I always kept gravitating back towards franchising because the idea for me, you could own your own business where you were using someone else's blueprint that was proven. And if you wanted some type of validity uh, to make sure that the business made sense and you wanted some reassurance, you could actually call people who are running that said business. So I, I've, I've dived into franchising headfirst. Um, so really in two capacities. So like, you know, some of the lecturing you spoke about in the work I'm doing with the IFA uh, you know, ICFE board, you know, part of what I'm very interested in is franchise education. I, I really want people that are in college uh, or even younger to be exposed to franchising earlier uh, because you don't see a lot of young people say, oh, I want to be a franchisee. I want to own 10, 20, 30 stores, or I want to create my own business and, and franchise it. People don't say that at a young age. So uh, between, you know, my, my work at Cornell and, and the work with the ICFE board, that's something that's really uh, near and dear to me and I'm very passionate about that and what we do or you know in those capacities is we try to have students exposed to actually working on real practicum cases so um, what you alluded to you know I, I do some work with franchisees and franchisors and companies that are trying to, to work with franchisors and franchisees uh, so sometimes we actually engage students and say look this is a problem this franchisor is having uh, or this fran multi-unit franchisee is having do you, how would you solve it? And we actually work on like three or four month uh, case studies, just like they're a Boston consulting group or McKenzie. Yeah. And that's kind of where the franchise education and a lot of this consulting and business ownership type of work I'm doing meld together. Um, so I would say the majority of what I'm working on, uh, you know, always seems to, to involve franchising and, and a little bit of my spin is I always have an educational component and try to involve students. Great. I think you're absolutely right. Like, uh, I, for one, you know, only growing up heard of franchise opportunities from watching Shark Tank with my family when <laughs> they bring the opportunities. They're like, I, this is the next great franchise. And that's College really falling junk. Yeah, remember? right. Yeah. Of course, I remember that. So I think that's where the, the youth kind of gets that small inspiration. You know, Shark Tank's been around for 10 plus years. And I think it's amazing and commendable that you're bringing it to a new generation who do have that entrepreneurial spirit but might not know how to approach it on their own. So 
Um, that's really great to hear. So uh, part of the Emergency Marketing Center, as I mentioned earlier, is helping brands, um, whether that is a franchisee or franchisor, um, during this time, because a lot of storefronts might be shut. They're all moving to digital in one way or another, whether that is e-commerce delivery or, or something. Um, so because you have such a breadth of experience in being a franchisee and helping at the franchisor level, what do you see as the biggest challenges for franchisors and franchisees right now? Yeah, so the, the concept of a franchise is really, like I was saying before, it's like a blueprint, right? So you want to have consistency. So if you think of like a major brand like McDonald's, when you're, when you're driving, let's say cross country, you expect when you, when you take a break and you want to eat, you're getting the same consistency with the burger or the fries or you know what to expect. So part of the, the challenge a lot of franchisors are facing, and then, you know, it, then the franchisees as well, is they need it. To comp I, don't, I don't know if I want to say completely change their offering. It depends. Um, but a lot of franchisors are now faced with the challenge, like you said, if they're in a retail location, like let's say a gym, what are they supposed to do? Like if you're a gym in New York, it can't be open right now. Um, what, so one, what's your plan? Like are you going to create a new product? That's a, that's an option, uh, potentially. Um, are you going to change your, your marketing position? That's almost a definite. So even if you're staying open somehow, like a lot of uh, QSRs, quick service restaurants, they're doing quite well if they have a drive-through window. But it's probably not the same messaging. You know, it might say, you know, something about driving up or getting your food quickly and safely. It's not the same, like, happy-go-lucky. So... I think a lot of franchisors are faced with the challenge of, of changing their product offering. And once they figure out what that is or, or pivoting, like maybe like gym or gyms are selling memberships in advance. It depends on, on the concept, um, how to, to change the marketing messaging. So like the ad creative, the ad copy, things that you had in January probably have to be tweaked and repurposed for now. So the, the issue is for some of these larger franchisors, they want to keep things consistent. So it's taking, a long time to iterate at the top and franchisees not again not in all systems are are desperate to iterate quickly to, to keep up so some of the challenges i'm seeing is the franchisors trying to figure it out but once they figure it out and give it to the franchisee you know two or three weeks later the environment's already changing with covid you know now the ppp loans are coming in the eidl loans are coming in you know we have this opening or this place is being closed or whatever it is so it's really hard to keep the consistency and, and adapting at the same time. So there's going to be a sacrifice made somewhere right now. Yes, I think you hit a really great point. It's that brand messaging restructuring and that quick pivot because it was almost an instantaneous moment when the U.S. kind of just shut down, rebooted, and was, was like, okay, this is here to stay for, for it. So how do we move forward um, in a digital environment now? So with that, what are the main channels that you recommend, whether it be a franchisee or the franchisor who's making these big decisions that they pivot in or start investing in? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, one thing I have is I, I have a digital marketing agency as well, and we've actually seen an uptick in interest. And I think the reason for that is people now are forced to do things digitally, be it the marketing, be it actually some of the products. I actually have a friend who owns a, a gym franchise. He's a franchisor. So he's actually productized. He's a, he's a funny guy. 
uh, he's very intelligent. And he, he, he productized his, his um, offering by doing Zoom virtual trainings, and it's working. Um, so he was able to think very quickly on his feet and reposition. I mean, some of the people with larger infrastructure, it's hard. Like if you have a gym that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I think, uh, you know, to, you know, so first of all, the channel we have right now is digital, right? We don't really have much of a choice, uh, but digital, you know, it, there's a lot of things to it. One, you could productize on digital. So they're doing virtual trainings. So if you're a service-based business, you could do virtual things like on zoom like i have a client and you know i have some business and tutoring we're doing virtual tutoring and different we're productizing it in different ways um so so one digital is a way to to, to create somewhat of a new product or adapt your current product uh, and, the, and the interesting thing is after this passes and the gym reopens a lot of people like for example i switched getting my groceries and picking them up to instacart and, and some of these other tools i might keep that so I think what you do now is not just temporary. It might change a, a whole behavior and it's going to stay. But then second, in terms of marketing, it, like, you know, people in the beginning were afraid, like with AdWords, with Facebook and all, all these things. So a lot of ad spending has dropped. So if you want to spend money on ads, now is a good time because there's less competition. Uh, but for, for my business, Markery, uh, we primarily use LinkedIn and email and some other third-party resources that's doing pretty well as well, uh, which is, is direct messaging. Um, but, but, but people are really like diving in right now into uh, messaging on digital. And I think it's going to be a behavior that's going to outlast this outbreak. So you really not only have to do it to survive this, but I think you're going to have to have this as part of your offering after COVID. Interesting point. We've been reading a lot of uh, behavioral leaders and psychologists and economists predict what that life is like after this and what that new normal will be. Um, and I think that this is proving really quickly that industries or organizations that were previously against work from home policies were applicable, that didn't have an, a digital offering, like you said, or some aspect that wasn't involved in their business is or could be here to stay in the future. Um, so I definitely, that's a really interesting perspective that maybe keeping these digitized versions is here in our industry as well as in the franchisee space. Yeah, especially one thing I'm seeing is a lot of e-commerce. So tweaking your whole e-commerce setup. So some brands that never had it are now developing it. And the people who had it are, are really revamping their whole e-commerce system. So, um, I see a lot of like, uh, you know, food-based businesses are now, you know, they have to deliver. So, you know, I know a pizza place actually in Long Island that has like 15 like pizza delivery people because there's so much demand for delivery. So the businesses that are, are being smart um, with delivery, some are using like, you know, like um, delivery services, but some are even building their own mini delivery service because of so much demand, you know, so it's just changing the landscape. I mean, as a fellow Long Islander, I know that, that New York pizza is a hot commodity, so um, I think it's smart. I know my local pizzeria um, is only doing takeout or delivery, obviously, to minimize human-to-human -human contact where possible. So I think that's a really interesting example and a great one. Pizza and um, <laughs> Exactly. That's like it. Um, so in terms of social media, because you mentioned one of the more interesting things is a lot of large organizations that had routine ad spend actually pulled it putting the economy even lower for those that are buying into ads for the first right. time or 
might not even know what to do. So can you talk a little bit more about the social media side of, you know, a franchisee, how they can do it, or the type of messaging a franchisor should have on social right now? Right. So there's a few things there. So I think in terms of like, um, like, the, like the messaging. So if you think of Google AdWords, uh, just as a, an easy example, you have a search term. So like I write, um, you know, pizza. So pizza is the search term. Then I have the, 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 the copy. So it's like pizza in Atlanta or pizza in Long Island. And then you actually have the landing page that says like, you know, whatever it is. So all that messaging, you know, needs to be adapted in my opinion to COVID. So I'm not saying you have to mention COVID by name, but you want to focus more on the delivery aspect or how it's easy, quick, safe. Those are the things people want right now. Um, so in terms of tweaking the messaging and that's on Facebook too, like you can't just say like, um, the best way you need to be more empathetic of people's situation. People don't want to purchase, um, food's a, a difficult example, but like with tutoring, that's easy uh, to explain. It's not just, I need tutoring. The, the, the pain point is that the parents struggling to, to juggle their, if they, you know, if they're working from home, if they're fortunate to work, be working from home now, it's, it's, it's hard. Like I have my dog running around and crying in the background right now. Um, but if you, you know, I had three kids, it'd be <laughs> more difficult. Um, so how do you, how do you balance working from home and, and, and helping your kids and keeping them on track? That's the pain point. The pain point's not tutoring. Tutoring is a potential service. Um, so I think the messaging really has to be tweaked on the pain point in the current environment. So, so that's the whole thing with messaging in terms of like what you said, that there's an opportunity now, uh, the, the opportunity for ad spend to get lower um, or more efficient cost per clicks. So lower cost per uh, cost per click, ultimately lower conversions. It's definitely out there. The one caveat though is depending on the business, um, they might not be ready to purchase now. So a lot of what I've been seeing is people are doing, like what you guys are doing in a way too, is instead of trying to sell, you're trying to help people and get them through the crisis. And then if they want, they know what you offer and they could always come and, and, and purchase. But it's, it's much more, I'm gonna help you survive as a, as a business. I'm gonna do what I can. If you know what I do because I'm helping you, and I don't need to tell you that you can purchase from me. If you want to come under your own volition, that's fine. And also businesses too, they're, they're able um, to, to bring and, and create a community now and build trust and, and really build confidence and get that community through this hard time so that when everything passes, now the community has formed, you know, a lot of the people have known each other. And then when it's time, you know, to that, you know, that businesses are reopening like retail locations and uh, life starts to normalize that community now might, you know, have an appetite to purchase other things. Um, so, so those are like the two, you know, main things I've, I've been seeing. Yeah, I think um, you actually hit the, the nail on the head there in terms of the humanization of the communication that's happening and shifting the brand tone, messaging, visuals, if necessary, to be empathetic to the current situation, to not be pushy, to make sure that now the franchisees or franchisors or who, whatever type of business it is, is mindful and respectful of the situation that we're all in because it varies the situation from family to family, from person to person. So it is um, all about that respect and the human connection that you're putting out there. So I think that's a really great point. And another is that you're no longer selling with a buy message. 
we call it social selling, where just like you said, the, the sale is not going to be this immediate gratification. It's now more showing your value, showing how you're there for your community during this time of hardship. And people will remember that. They'll remember, oh, this organization did X, Y, and Z during this time. Maybe now, whenever the end comes, I'll go to them for their product or service. We love to buy or support organizations that do good for the community. So when we see that happening on social media or whatever platform it may be, really resonates with us when we're making our buying decisions. Yeah, I mean, you know, even like with some of my businesses, you know, companies are struggling and I just point that stuff. But at some point they're like, listen, like we just need this like type of support like all the time. Like, how does that work? And that And that's how it goes. Like, I'm not actively you know, pitching anything or my team's not doing that. Um, and I think people that do that, but it's, it has to be organic. Like I, I see people that are like forcing it on some of the social channels and, and it's hard to explain, but if you just like genuinely try to help the people, it, it will come like, you know, um, but, but it's a whole mind shift, like, like my different mindset, um, you know, and, and some businesses, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's just very difficult, like for services, like for example, um like door grooming or, or haircuts if you're not open it, it, that's a difficult one to crack you know like i'm you know had to take care of you know my dog's nails and, and groom my dog my hair is like you know for me it's pretty long yeah. so though there's some industries where it's it's a, it's a little more difficult to adapt um and and there's more thinking on how to to, to figure out a solution Definitely agree. And, and everything that we're going to, we're saying today does vary from industry to industry because there's certain regulations in different States. Um, and obviously some businesses are fully shut where others are operational in a different way. Um, and I think it still goes back to being there for your community because I've seen, um, hair salons or chains of salons go directly to digital on Instagram instead of offering, uh, haircuts because that's obviously too close right. of a personal connection they're show, offering tips how to cut your bangs at home how to get like a blunt cut so a tip that I picked up just watching a salon and Instagram because obviously I have bangs was that you cut yeah. with like little vertical upward motions as opposed to what I as a novice would do which was just go straight across so it's things like that where it's again you're showing you're there for your community and then you'll be able to get that customer when the time is right. Um, so I think that's a really important thing that we're trying to help out every type of organization and industry by digitizing some aspect, even though it might not be available for you at the moment right now. Yeah, and that's a good example, actually. Like, I like that a lot because, you know, there's two approaches. You, you, one is you just crawl in a cave and say, I can't do anything right now, you know. And, and, and it's really sad because it's going to be really tough times. But if I'm, I'm trying to share and, you know, show people I care and build my community, by the end of this, when you're, or when they, they're starting to reopen some states already, people are going to book. <laughs> like, there's going to be a heavy, heavy demand. It's not like we have what used to be, we have this big dip, and then it's going to be what we used to be. It's going to be what we used to be, a big dip, and depending on the industry, it could spike. So we're going to go from completely nothing to, like, double, triple the demand on certain things. So you have to be patient in certain industries. And like you were saying, like if like if I'm in the hair business, like what you said is a really, you know, smart approach. Yeah. I've seen a lot of really interesting and creative ways. And 
uh, Promo Republic is speaking to industry leaders, like from as many industries as we can, because we want to get these ideas and just share them with as many people as possible. So the hair tip was truly the best. And that's how we got this great, <laughs> great temporary result right now. Um, yeah, I'm lucky because I got like a really short cut before in about February. So I'm just trying to grow it out. So it's not the worst scenario. It could be a lot worse. No, I was due um, when this broke out, so I'm way over now. <laughs> good still. I, I try, I try. Yeah. Um, one thing that you actually mentioned today that I kind of want to loop back to is the, the franchisor and franchisee relationship, because we kind of glossed over it, but I think that's a really important one. So mm -hmm. at a lot of the more established franchises, there's um, protocols, obviously, as you, within any organization, as you grow bigger, there's just more protocols in general. Right. So... Yeah. Um, how would you recommend that a franchisor can help support the franchisee, whether that's keeping messaging um, going down to them, like communication, or helping them in ideation, or even with social media marketing? I guess the constant struggle or the back and forth is like a franchisor is supposed to create the general brand norms, and the franchisee is supposed to be very specific um, to their target market. So usually... I mean, there's different ways of doing it, but usually it's, it's based on a certain like area or like geography where the franchisee could sell to. So if I'm based in like New York City versus Miami versus Los Angeles, there might be, depending on what I'm selling or what my offering is, there's going to be different tweaks to the messaging and maybe even the product. So it's still the same product that's approved, but the way I'm pitching it or the way there, there might be tweaks to the offering it's going to be a little different to customize to the market. So I'm seeing a little bit of friction where the franchise, well, different franchises or brands are trying to create material, but they're a little generic. Um, so by the time they get to the franchisee, the franchisee wants to tweak it a little bit. Um, and, but, but, but it's, 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 it's difficult. So the, the thing that I'm seeing that's most effective, you know, in terms of, let's say to, to get stuff done quickly, a lot of times I'll work with like two or three multi-unit owners. So these are franchisees who might have five, 10, 15 units. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, if they approve it and they could get corporate to be in the same boat, they could send it out to 15 stores. So instead of working with, let's say 15 single unit operators, work with one operator who owns 15 and get the same reach. So when you get a multi-unit operator to buy in, they're a good example or pilot case because they could say, look, I agreed with corporate. We worked out some kinks, but I've localized it. So now I have something that I think franchisees could emulate and they could add, they could localize this part of it. Like maybe this 15 or 10% of it, but it's still within the brand standards uh, that corporate set. So corporate's happy, but that's, that's, I think the best way to do it because if you rely on corporate, it's hard for them to incorporate the local piece. But if you rely on a franchisee, especially a small one, they might get too specific. And I think the multi-unit operators, the, the brands, have like a good balance because they're kind of a big organization themselves. And sometimes there's some multi-unit operators that sometimes have larger staffs and revenues and, and, and profit than the franchisor because they're such a, such a massive operation. Like there's people, for example, like in Dunkin' Donuts, I'm not saying they're bigger than corporate, but there's people that own hundreds of Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Like that franchisee or that sometimes it might be a holding company. That's a good person to speak to. Um, you know, when you're, when you're doing something so transformative, 
uh, as opposed to just saying it has to be a franchise or a franchisee. I think focusing on the multi-unit operators is key. That's a really great uh, piece of advice. And that's someone, just like you said, where the franchisor and franchisee both can go to for advice or bouncing ideas off of. Um, I think that's really, really useful. Right. Um, from the franchisor perspective, this person is probably paying a lot more royalties. Um, they, they, they cover a larger geography. They're probably more in touch with corporate than the single unit. Not saying they're better or worse. It's just the nature of their operation requires more attention from corporate and it's more affecting the pocket of corporate. So you have corporate attention, but other franchisees want to emulate that franchisee who has a lot of stores or units or whatever. So that franchisee is going to, you know, give more credibility to what that multi-unit franchisee is saying or, or doing, you know what I mean? So that's why I think it's like the sweet, like the sweet spot. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. Um, and that's also a piece of advice that's not only for the COVID pandemic, but something that franchisees and franchisors can take in the future whenever they need some advice or looking for some consultancy for uh, messaging or whatever that may be, where they need to have pick someone's brain. I think that's a really good piece of advice to take to the future. Is there anything else while we kind of wrap up here that you want to leave anyone listening, whether it be a franchisor or a franchisee uh, with that they could um, just resonate on like a piece of advice? Yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, I mean, we're in like an unprecedented time. Like I think like a crisis like this happens like every hundred years. So you have like different crises and, uh, and this is, this is ours. Um, so you might not know exactly how to help someone or have the right product or, or whatnot, but someone reaches out to you and they really need help. I think just listening to them could go far away uh, because a lot of people are very scared right now and unsure of what to do and they're struggling. So even if you think like, Hey, like, why is this guy reaching out to me or this, this woman or whoever uh, I would give them the benefit of the doubt now more than ever than just, you know, brushing them aside because people are, are really in uncertain times and they're really looking for help in all different areas. So I would just say like, don't judge a book by its cover and, you know, try, try to help out if you, if you have some spare time. That's a really great note to, to leave it on. Um, so Sean, I want to thank you again for participating in our um, emergency marketing center. Um, for those of you listening again, Sean is a guest lecturer at Cornell, served on the board at Institute of Certified Franchise Executives, owns a digital agency, is a franchisee, um, consults with franchisors, so the list goes on. So thank you again. We're so lucky to have you participating, and I hope you're well during all of this. Thanks, Rico. Thanks for having me.